How do you do? Welcome to the very first episode of The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast. My name is Fabian Scherche, but uh, for simplicity's sake, just call me Fab. And I'm reporting to you from the very nice but always rainy city of Hamburg in Germany. This is uh, episode one for Wednesday, the uh, 5th of February, 2020. And today we're going to talk about the end of privacy as we know it, as the uh, New York Times titled it, um, otherwise known as a company called uh, Clearview AI. Yes, hi and welcome. Nice to have you. It's always, it's always uh, exciting and interesting to start a new podcast. And as such, um, I thought uh, introductions are probably more in order. Um, you might not know me. You might want to know who I am, uh, your host for this show. So um, before we get into the, the main topic, um, I thought I'll quickly go into that and you know kind of what i want to accomplish with this podcast maybe maybe let's address that first so um you might know me uh back in the day i used to do a podcast called linux outlaws and i'm keeping kind of the outlaws uh cowboy theme alive with this one um so as you might have noticed so um it's kind of a continuation from LO. And um, yeah, you might have remembered that podcast. I, I did that from 2007 till 2014 with a good friend of mine, uh, Dan Lynch. And um, I'm kind of i i wanna i wanna wanna go back into the weekly podcasting arena, as it were. And and as such, um, I, I will make a promise that this podcast, um, I think. I pretty much figured out over the last year or so that the only way for me to get this done is to firmly commit because um I now work as a freelancer and uh, it's it, it's very um it's hard to plan in that in in that kind of job situation I always have work to do I always have more work to do than I can actually do and I kind of need to uh plan stuff uh, I've I've figured out pretty much over the last year being a freelancer so um th that's what I'm going to do I'm going to commit to bring you a show every Wednesday from now on Every week, okay, I might take, you know, over the Christmas holidays, I might take a week or two off. But otherwise, I will try to get a show to you every Wednesday. Um, if I am on holiday, which could happen, um, or if I'm, you know, throughout the year, if I'm on a job commitment where I absolutely can't upload, I mean, it's no problem for me to, since I, I do these on my own, um, to pre-produce a show. Um, I generally... Um, I'll get to that into that a bit later, but I'm generally want to deal with new stuff. But you know, I will. I can do in depth in depth episodes that I can pre produce. Um, but sometimes I'll, I might be in a situation where I can't upload one on a Wednesday. Uh, in that case, I will try to get it to you earlier. Uh, so if there if, if there if a show shows up before Wednesday in the feed, that might just mean that that would be one on Wednesday, <laughs> most likely. Um, but yeah, but what. Why, why am I doing this? Um, so I did Linux Outlaws, and that, that was, um, at the time, a very important topic for me, um, getting into Linux and open source. And I was very um, idealistic on the subject, and I was very 
excited about it and excited about the possibilities and the ethics of, of software and of open source software. And the reason why we stopped LO at some point could, can, you know, if I had to boil it down to one point, it is what has been quoted in the open source community uh, again and again recently. It's just open source has won. Um, that is a discussion to be had there because it basically, I mean, you can, you can see that more critically and you can say, well, it's only one on the server or on the internet, whatever. Hasn't really won the desktop, but still like, you know, in a, in a general sense, uh, Linux users are not the outlaws that I perceive them to be in uh, 2007 anymore. And I feel, kind of feel like, um, and I've, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, um, that the next battleground is is privacy. I feel if you are somebody who wants to be a private citizen, as it were, um, in a bit of a bit of a pun here, in a, in a meaning of actually being private uh, in a modern society, um, as people have have called it the um, surveillance economy, um, then then you are increasingly becoming the outlaw. You become the suspect guy. Like you know, why is that guy hiding the information? And um, I'm I'm kind of coming around. I'm. Pretty much as I was on when 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 we started Linux Outlaws, there was a journey I was I was on towards Linux and towards open source. And in the same vein, I feel like I'm in a on a journey right now uh, towards more privacy. Because if you know me from back in the day and podcasts I've done since and stuff I've written, uh, you know that I I've traditionally never seen myself as a very private individual. I I always thought that even before I became a professional journalist, when when I when we were doing a podcast, that was at some point that was entertaining uh, entertainment, and that if you do that and if you become successful, uh, which I didn't think I would be, no, certainly not as much as as LO was successful, you know, in terms of podcasting. If you if you look at it today, it certainly wasn't successful. But back in the day, you know, the amount of listeners we had, um, we were at some point. Uh, biggest open source show out there um i think it's always hard to say with podcasts but you know we were pretty 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 successful in that little field and for you know for podcasting back in the day back in 2010 you know 10 years ago um we were quite good uh not in today's standards you know can't can't compete with the, with the big guys but anyway uh, I, dig I digress what i wanted to say I, digress, I feel like an old man um what i wanted to say is um i never thought of myself of myself as a private individual. Uh, I always shared a lot of my life on social media and I've always seen a benefit in that. Um, so I've met, I've met, I have friends all over the world. Uh, and I'm not, not just, that's not just a, a, an empty phrase for me. That is actually the case. Um, I, my, most of my friends, um, are remote. Most of the people, I spent I spent most of my social life with are actually people I talk to on the internet and and regular basis, and you know back in the day it was uh, um, Jaiku and then status Identica Status.net, Twitter now it's Discord and so this being being somewhat of a public person for me um, has always had benefits. Um, so I, I I was I never thought myself traditionally as a privacy advocate but we're moving into a way with how our world is developing where i feel um that 
I'm, I'm changing my views. And I always think when something like this happened, that's the best moment to start a podcast because as I discovered with LO, I think that was one of the success successes of the show. Uh, Dan's and my journey through and into and through and op open source and Linux. And that's what I think listeners find interesting. That, that's what I find interesting when I listen to podcasts. Um, and, you know, we stopped LO at, at some point when, when that journey was just coming to a halt, basically. Um, when we didn't think it was that interesting anymore. Anyway, I'm taking you on a new journey now and I'm, I will, I will try to, um, as I said, do this every week. Um, I am not a, as, as, as you probably can tell by that intro already, I'm not a tinfoil hat guy. I'm not a traditional privacy advocate. I, I've always been somebody who's, um, some, you know, sometimes scoffed at, you know, I live in Germany. I'm from, I'm from Germany. I've, I've lived in other countries as well. I've lived in Australia. I've lived in the UK. Um, but obviously, um, I'm, I'm most acquainted with, 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 with Germany. But because I lived somewhere else, I had this other perspective. And I've always scoffed at, you know, when in Germany, when the Google Maps came out and people were like pixel, pixelating their houses and stuff. And this this German attitude towards privacy, which is uh, intimately tied up with our history, um, you know, under Hitler and the Third Reich and all that. Um, I've always been, that, that has always been a bit foreign to me. I've always looked at that also with an outside perspective and uh, found it kind of funny and sometimes mocked it. But I feel like this is, it's becoming an asset. And I feel like maybe, maybe I was wrong on some of the things I said in the past. And I, I want to explore that. So don't, this will not, like, if you are, I mean, I don't want to say don't listen to the show. Listen to the show anyway. I'm, you know, I like to, I like to have people with other viewpoints as well on the show, but this is not a show for privacy, uh, purists. So I have an iPhone. Um, I'm, I'm a lot on social media, so this won't be a off the grid, turn off the power, live in the shag kind of podcast, even though <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, with the whole website. By the way, if you want information, I don't know how you're listening to this. If you haven't listened to this first episode, you haven't seen, you know, I'm, I'm not on iTunes yet or anything. Um, but, uh, if you don't know where the website is, it's a private citizen.press. And if you go there, um, you will see I'm, I'm kind of playing with that that you know um off the grid kind of cowboy <laughs> you know living in the in the hills of montana kind of um kind of image but that's that's not really where i'm coming from i mean this is a this is a privacy show i i want to and make this in a into a privacy show for normal people um this I, I will not tell you to uninstall all your apps or throw your iphone away get a freedom phone and lock it all down um, I'm, I'm, this is going to be my goal with this is to have a pragmatic approach to these things. Um, and for this podcast to be usable, uh, for, for normal people. Um, it will be a very techy podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, just, I, I just want to give you some information and, and, and I want to, I want to start a dialogue with you as, as, as the listener. And then if you think maybe there's, you know, I'm I'm not all out enough, or I'm I'm too crazy. Uh, please tell me, and I will I will uh, give you some details later how to contact me. Um, 
but if you go to the website, it's all on there. Um, so this will be, I'm, I'm trying to, for this to be a pragmatic podcast, but still it will be, it will concern, uh, privacy topics. So I'm, I'm, I want to talk about privacy. I will definitely talk about IT security a bit where it intersects because that is my main stay. I mean, I write about privacy a lot as well, but, um, IT security for years was my main, um, beat, so to speak. And um, it intersects a lot. And then we're going to talk a little bit about politics um, because this is all kind of interwoven with politics and I find that interesting. I'm going to try to dial that down a bit, even though I've, I personally feel I uh, studied history and politics and I feel like everything's kind of politics, but uh, it's a, I've, I've recently learned that it's a, it's a topic people, um, especially in, in today's heated up political climate, especially in the US, uh, people are a bit wary of that. So I'm, I will only talk about politics uh, where it concerns the actual topics at hand. And even then, you know, I might say some things that you don't agree with, um, which you'll have to live with. Um, and that brings me to another goal I have with this podcast, but with everything I do, um, I will, I will, as I always do when I do a podcast, I will provide copious show notes uh, at privatecitizen.press. Um, for every episode, I will link all the sources I'm using to do this, and I want you to not believe me. I want you to, if you think something's fishy or I have a different opinion, go there, read it, you know, click through, go to the sources, dig up your own stuff, think for yourself, do your own research, and then tell me about it, because as I will, you know, I'll give you details at the end of the show as well, but, like, this show um, lives from from you as well. Um I am adopting something called the value for value model where I want people to um, support me if they feel like it. Um, there will be some, I'll talk about that at the end of the show as well. Um, I have a Patreon set up um, that people can kick me some some money if they think they get enough value from the show. But generally also, you know, your opinion and your your input and your, your links and your stories are, are very helpful to me as well. And that's, that's, also producing the show under the value for value model, which um, pioneered by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak on uh, the No Agenda podcast. And um, so I want you to tell me about things. Um, yeah, that's pretty much about it, about me. Um, other than that, you know, I'm a, uh, I work, my day job is, as I said, I'm a freelancer. I'm a, a tech journalist. Um, I write a lot about um, IT security, uh, privacy some stuff about open source and sometimes I write about Star Trek. Um, if you, if you're more interested in general tech, uh, stuff, I, I write a daily tech newsletter about tech news. Um, that, that there's also a link to that in the show notes. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, let's get into the main topic. Uh, just quickly before we do that, um, I, I will try to pick kind of a, a topic for every, every show. Um, I'm generally, it's, it's it's probably going to be something that I've I've saw during the week that's in the news that is current, you know. But sometimes I might just go back and go in depth on some topics. Sometimes I might revisit some other topics. And if you have ideas, same thing, just write me an email. Um, but with that, we should probably because it's it's been long enough, and I'm aiming for for an hour. I have to say here for these shows, but <laughs> knowing me, that might turn into three. Anyway, let's but let's let's try at least for the first show. Let's try and let's so let's get into the main topic, um, and which is going to be Clearview AI. 
uh, which is a company nobody had heard anything about pretty much, I think, uh, until the beginning of this year uh, in January. Tech reporter Kashmir Hill wrote an article in the New York Times about this, quote, secretive company that might end privacy as we know it. And um, it's uh, this This is a company founded by a guy called Hone, Hone? Ton Thad. Um, he is a uh, Australian software developer of Vietnamese roots, I think, who moved to San Francisco and then did some apps, uh, iPhone app first. We'll get into that later a bit more, but you know, Facebook apps, iPhone apps. And then at some point he moved to New York and now started this company. Now, what this guy has done, uh, as the New York Times writes, the Australian techie and one-time model, um, let me just quote you, quote from the Times here. Uh, he, he did something momentous. He invented a tool that could end your ability to walk down the street anonymously and provided it to hundreds of law enforcement agencies, ranging from local cops in Florida to the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. Um, yeah, so another side note. I'll, I'll probably keep doing this for, for a while because, you know, I just want to explain what, I, what I'm doing here with the show. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a story like that and then we're going to go in-depth on that and um just you know i'm i'm having i'm having uh copious amounts of coffee while i do that and i can only recommend you do something similar um i'm i'm trying to not bore you but i i want to do something with the show which nobody else does as far as i can tell except in maybe future articles i want to get really into the subject matter and into details and that's People don't do that on the radio. They don't do that on TV. Um, well, there are exceptions. Um, there are there's, there's some radio stations in Germany, uh, I know, and I think, you know, Deutschlandfunk, and there's uh, NPR in the US who kind of does that. But it's not something people are used to. So um, just brace yourselves, okay? Anyway, um, so yes, he, he created this tool. Um, and further quoting the Times, uh, his tiny company, Clearview AI, devised a groundbreaking facial recognition app. You take a picture of a person, upload it, and get to see public photos of that person along with links to where those photos appeared. The system, whose backbone is a database of more than 3 billion images that Clearview claims to have scraped from Facebook, YouTube, Venmo, and millions of other websites goes far beyond anything ever constructed by the United States government or Silicon Valley giants. Which I'm pretty sure is bullshit. Um, and so I'm a bit wary of this story. Uh, I mean, I want to talk about this because this is the big story that in privacy that's going on right now. But I was wary of this for a long time. But pretty much when you read this and you read a statement like this, I mean, I don't know who this tech... I don't know... Who, I, I, didn't do much research into Kashmir Hill was, but uh, she's apparently, you know, pretty new tech reporter at the time. And um, I think came from, uh, I don't know, um, I think Reuters? Was it Reuters or Blue? I don't know, something from somewhere. Anyway, um, the problem is there's no, there's no technical details in this story. And then statements like this, like, goes far beyond anything ever constructed by the United States government. This is clearly... This statement's dumb. You don't put something like this into an article because you don't know, right? So I was like, 
I was reading this story and I was like talking to my wife, who is I, I think is is pretty is is, is a geek like me, uh, and pretty techy, but you know, a lot more on the normal everyday person spectrum than me. Um and I was like, so what so I'm reading the story and I'm like, you know, the times is full of crap here. You know, let me just read this out. I read this out and she's like, that's bullshit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, thanks. And I didn't even like, you know, we didn't talk about this before. And so, I mean, if you, if you have a half of a brain, you don't need to be very te- technically adept to think the sentence and think, well, you wouldn't know because the United States government has like 20 different intelligence services and you as a New York Times reporter don't know what they've developed. And if a some some random programmer dude can do this, the NSA can probably too. Maybe think about that before you put out the blatant statement like this. But it gets even worse. Because if you use Google and you do just a, or any other search engine, and you do a, a, a very simple web search, um and basically do millions, you know, image recognitions millions of photos, New York Times, something like that. The first thing that pops up is a story from the same newspaper, the New York Times, from 2014, uh, I think actually co-written by Laura Poitras. Um, so this is obviously on the Snowden um, revelations and, uh, you know, starts with the National Security Agency, is 2014, right? National Security Agency is harvesting huge numbers of images of people from communications that it intercepts through its global surveillance operations for use in sophisticated facial recognition programs according to top-secret documents. The spy agency's reliance on facial recognition technology has grown significantly over the last four years as the agency has turned to new software to exploit the flood of images included in emails, text messages, social messages, video conferences, blah, blah, blah. Snowden revelations and... No, it says the agency intercepts millions of images per day, including about 55,000 facial recognition quality images, uh, which translates into tremendous untapped potential. This is, you know, from documents that Snowden um, made public. So the very same New York Times reported on this years ago. So the NSA has been, at that point, been working on this for years. So we know the NSA has this technology. And one of my problems, obviously, as a tech reporter with this and why I, um, you know, I had the same problem with the Snowden revelations, because if you're like me and you're, you're, you know a bit about technology, you've been reporting on it for years and you're a bit critical and somebody comes out and says the NSA does all this, you're like, yeah. Uh, so I was saying that, that they probably do that for years and you kind of underestimate these stories and their impact on society, which is obviously huge. Um, and this is the same thing, but I don't want to fall into this trap anymore. I, I want to report about this, and that's one of the reasons I'm going to start. This, I'm starting this podcast as well, um, because I don't want to unreport these things just because I think they're obvious, um, and that that by no means this is not meant as a disparagement to you as a listener. That doesn't mean I'm smarter than you. That just means I'm closer to the. It's like your job, right? If you're, um, if you're fixing cars. And that's your job, right? You know certain things about cars because you have a lot of experience. And then a customer comes in and says, I did this and now my car is broken. You're like, of course it's broken. What are you, dumbass? Like if you do that kind of thing, we all know the car's got to break. But a normal person doesn't know this. This might, some, this might be something you as a mechanic know knows because you've, for years you've been looking at this problem that happens when customer does a certain thing. 
because but somebody who doesn't he just buys a car and then drives it and doesn't really just has the manual and you know isn't really thinking about the car doesn't know this that doesn't mean the mechanic is smarter it just means he has more experience and for me this is kind of the same thing um so nowhere in this new york times story which is another indication of you know their general level of reporting I mean, it talks about, oh, we took the app apart. It doesn't, like, they have a background story. It tells you all of these things. It doesn't tell you how they got the app. But it's apparently it's a phone app. It's one part of this system. Um, and they're like, oh, we took the app apart. And it has, like, augmented reality features, which have nothing to do with anything. It's like, who cares? Who gives a fuck? But they're not talking about how the technology works or how they think it works. Well, they ask somebody how it works. But here's how I think how it works. Because I think it's kind of obvious. Um, so... What this is is OSINT, right? Open source intelligence gathering. Um, so they probably have a bunch of scripts, probably Python scripts, um, that run on servers that do the same thing that search engines do or the internet wayback machine. They're crawlers, they crawl the internet and find social media profiles or whatever, pictures of people, um, then index it and then download as much of the photos or videos or still whatever they can get. Um, plus the accompanying information. So, you know, if it, if you get the photo from a Twitter profile, you know, it gets a link to the Twitter profile, the name, whatever, you know, the bio, whatever's on there. Maybe it's a bit smarter and it can figure out certain tweets, whatever, and download, you know, and index that as well. But generally, it's just, it, then it stuffs all the images on the server. And then the AI part, which, you know, I have a whole different problem with the name AI, but you know, AI basically is kind of like it's a buzzword these days. It's like blockchain, right? When somebody says AI, you can translate that in your head to a bunch of algorithms. It's software, it does something. It's got nothing to do with intelligence. So, what this thing is, it's probably something the New York Times hints at this. You know, there's well, well published, uh, image recognition algorithms, you know, neural nets you can train. Um, so what these things do is you have all these images, and because you, you're amassing millions and billions of images, um, the way their system works is you download, you, you take a picture of somebody or you have a picture of somebody and upload that. And it then matches that photo to other photos of that same person. But, be, you know, it can't just, it's not the same photo. So it needs like some, algorithm some intelligence in air quotes uh to match this picture with with all the other pictures that are taken from different angles and whatever um yeah and it you know that's that's well published for years i mean uh, uh artificial um you know image image recognition and computer vision and all this kind of stuff uh, has been researched for for decades and uh you know aside from calling it ai it's just software that does certain things. So what it basically does is it, you know, takes your face, takes a picture, figures out where the eyes are, the mouth is, certain things, and then it just calculates, like, I think it's basically vectors, uh, you know, it's like, basically like hashing the image, you know, it takes the image and takes certain information from that image and makes the number out of it, basically, you know, to be very, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a expert in this field, but that's how I understand how it works and then it can basically you have an image from so if you if it measures like the the distance between your pupils to the tip of your nose to like i don't know what color it saves what color your hair is and then where your hair starts whatever that that gives it a certain 
as a certain um there's variables right so and then if you put it in a different picture i mean your your pupils and your nose and generally where your hair starts will not move like where your hair starts maybe and wearing a hat but you know there's all these different these different numbers it has and some of those won't change it's like uh fingerprint recognition right it's just points and then it calculates numbers based on these points and because they don't change even though the the image you know the angle whatever light whatever that all changes but your facial features don't change so if you then put that photo in there it can just go basically what it has done it has has these millions of images that are all like indexed and whatever and it calculates all these uh these these numbers and these calculations and basically it, it sorts them it puts them in so so these are all the people whose eyes are i don't know how many millimeters apart right and these are all the people whose nose is that so it 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 categorizes them and it does like these basically pre-computed paths and you put an image in and the first thing goes okay what hair color is this and then it goes okay let's exclude all these images and we have those with the hair color then we have those where the eyes are this way and it goes down that tree which goes really fast because you know, it's neural nets have like learned this and pre-computed this. Um, and then it matches all the other images and then it pulls all the metadata belong there. So it's like, okay, we found an, an image from, from, from Twitter. So here's all the metadata. Here's the Twitter profile. We found that on Facebook. Here's all the Facebook posts, right? And it, it fetches all that and gives you all that. And, you know, yeah, you could call that intelligence, but really, I mean, intelligence is inventing something or, you know, writing, you know, coming up with a novel idea. That is what I think. This is like pattern recognition, right? Um, anyway, that's just my personal personal grumpiness about, you know, everybody's, oh, oh AI, oh, that sounds sinister. Um, it's just, you know, image recognition and, and neural nets, so ways of, ways, ways of basically speeding up this process, which otherwise you'd have to brute force. Otherwise, the computer would have to go, okay, that image compared with that image. No, compared with that. No, compared. If you have three billion images, that's going to take a long time. So you basically need like algorithms that kind of pre, you know, that's what, what neural nets in this case do as far as I understand it. They, um, they pre-compute a lot of the work. So you just put a picture in and like, bang, you got all these other accounts. Now this technology has been around. Um, so even in this, in this, in this New York Times article and there's stuff on BuzzFeed about this and, and everywhere. And they're basically talking about how, yeah, this is all like they used research papers and stuff, of course. Um, now, this is a paradigm shift because what these guys are doing, it's not my words, I was just, you know, being sarcastic. <laughs> just pointing that out. Um, what these guys are doing is they take pictures from the wider internet. So this, this, this Pattern recognition technology has been in use by, you know, the police in the US for, for, for years. And, but these other systems, they, they take like mugshots when people were arrested or, you know, driver's license photos who are all these very specific photos where you watch, look in the camera and they're all from very specific, like legal sources and all that. Now, these guys, I've just used more modern better image matching technology where it can you know it, you can have like your half your face obscured wearing a hat as long as like certain features are there it can like match these images and of course they've just scraped the web i mean and you know 
Facebook, Twitter, Venmo, Venmo, I didn't even know, I, like, I knew Venmo existed, you can't use it in Germany, so, like, I knew it existed, but it, I looked into it, it's just like, that's, that's a whole nother episode, by the way, it's like, all these social, fe- like, why are there social features in a payment app? Anyway, um, so it can pull all, it pulls all this stuff, now, if you read the Times thing, they're like, oh my god, isn't that illegal, and all oh, Twitter guidelines about their, their, their image usage and whatever, if you're a normal tech, if you like me and you know a little bit about technology, probably like you, and you've been around the internet for a bit, you're like, yeah, of course. It's like Twitter's public, right? Facebook is to a large degree public. If it isn't, you, you create like an account, right? You you create an account, and you can automate that, and you can scrape stuff from within the system, and you you can scrape all the stuff out of the internet which people voluntarily have uploaded. And this is not like, I mean. I get that the implications for society are huge and might be bad. But the thing itself kind of isn't bad because what they're doing is they're matching your face to information that you've provided voluntarily. Now, the problem here is that you you um when you provided this information and when you used all your social media social networks like me, uh, you weren't thinking that this could happen in the future. And now that it can, you're like, oh shit, because now you're screwed. You you can now you can go. This is this is why I'm saying you know I'm I'm going to talk after I've discussed a bit more where this technology came from. I'm going to talk a little bit about the the implications this has. But you know this is why this is not a tinfoil hat show and like oh let's delete everything because if you run if you if you pause this podcast now you run and you delete your 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 twitter your facebook your linkedin your venmo everything all your accounts right you're still screwed uh because they've scraped that you know they have that information you're not giving them more ammunition in the future but they have all your past data and of course this is especially heinous because I mean, they're not only like they have all, they don't only have all your pictures, they have probably all the Facebook posts, right? They have all this information about you. Um, the problem is you, you provided this information voluntarily, right? You were just, you weren't aware that it might, it might be used against you because, you know, 10 years, 15 years back, they were all like, yeah, but don't put that on Facebook because your employer is gonna, is gonna see that. And I, I always responded with that. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. I'm drunk at a bar, picture gets uploaded to Facebook. If I have an employer that cares about that get drunk in my free time, right? Screw them. Like if they're not gonna hire me because of that, and I still I stand by that point. This is definitely a valid point. You don't want to work for a company like that, ever. Right? Because we all have private lives and we all get drunk. Well, some people might not, but you know, we all have our everybody has their 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 sins and things they do in their free time, which you know the employer doesn't doesn't have to care about it. it's no business of my employer if I get drunk in my like who gives a fuck you know um, but the problem of course is that this this data all ends up services like this and you know this company a Clearview is currently you know they're selling stuff to police departments basically and they they're using the software where you you know basically they have an image. You know, somebody might have, they might have a shoplifter, right? And they have 
surveillance footage and they take a still picture of the guy's face uploaded in this app and this app tells you oh yeah yeah he's uh he's uh He's got this 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 guy from Twitter. It's like this is his Facebook account. Okay, now we can figure out where he lives, and then we can, you know, I mean, it's it's really handy for for um, for people who work for the police. Um, I can see that, um, but of course, when you upload it, you know, that argument with your boss might see that doesn't really, you know, that that. For 15 years ago, they didn't say, I don't upload this to Facebook because it will be forever there. It will be on some server and the police will find out. You know, they will know everything about you because they're aggregating all this information. That's the actual argument, but that, of course, nobody was thinking about that. Um, now, the point is, they're saying this to police, but they might as, at some point sell this uh, to anybody, you know, to other companies. I mean, I don't think they... Currently, they could. There's no legal... Uh, problem with that. I mean, you know, yeah, people are saying, oh, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be able to scrape this, like Facebook forbids this, Twitter forbids this scraping. But I mean, it's on the internet, right? It's like, uh, I mean, there might be a case here if you, I mean, they're taking pictures that you have personal, I mean, you have so you might have copyright over the picture if you took the picture yourself, uh, you know, and you know you give that, you give a license to use that picture to Twitter when you upload it to Twitter, right? But you haven't given it to Clearview, so they're definitely breaking your copyright. You know, if you're in Europe, uh, you might have like personal rights. So um, I don't know completely how this works in the US, but certainly in Europe and in Germany. Um, even if I don't take the picture, the photographer who publishes it needs like a release, right? I have personal rights of my image, um, and I I could like if they don't have a if I don't if I don't have if they don't have a release form. I basically said you may use this, um, then I could sue them. So that that might be a recourse against this company, but generally. Uh, I think that's uh, um, you know if, if if you land in a criminal suit because of this uh, to then sue them like yes you, afterwards you can probably probably have a civil civil case against them but you know how how bad will that be if the first thing lands you in jail because they they've um recognized you I mean there's probably some stuff where you can sue them if this thing misidentifies you. Um, but already, you know, when they sell this to police, uh, the police is aware uh, in the U.S. where they use this that they can't use this as probable cause. So they can identify you with this, but they can't use this as probable cause for a warrant something. They will have to find other information. You know, they do some actual, actual investigation and some legwork. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a good first step. Um but, you know, aside from the police having this, we, as I said before, we must be aware that, you know, now it's out there, but I'm think, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the NSA and other, um, intelligence services must have had this technology for years, possibly a decade, you know, and who knows what other, you know, other countries' intelligence services as well. Uh, interestingly, Google, uh, reportedly had this technology years ago, according to an article in HuffPo, um, 
from some while back, whereas Eric Schmidt said it was the like the previous you know former Google CEO said this was like the only technology he knows of that Google built and then can't because quote it can be used in a very bad way and they didn't want that. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanna I wanna get into a little bit of what all this means for society uh, in a bit, but before before we do that. I want to talk about the guy who um who made this app. And um so who who's the guy who made this app? Because I think this is the really amazing story. So if you look into this and you look into this guy, um Juan Ton Thot, uh you you find some I mean uh, you find some some amazing uh amazing things. Um he at one time described himself as a Anarcho transsexual Afro Afro Chicano American feminist studies major. So uh anarcho transsexual feminist basically uh, who's written now who's written this ultimate surveillance app. And there is some stuff, you know, if you read uh, the Times and if you read uh BuzzFeed, they're trying really hard to tie him to the old right. Um, or they're tying him to, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, apparently the company, it used to be called Smart Checker and they apparently offered some nationalists, uh, right wing politician to use this technology in, in like op extreme opposition research as the company called it themselves. Um, I'm not sure. Um, they're tying him to Peter Thiel, who is a, uh, guess a Trump supporter, but who is <laughs> mostly famous for having brought down um, uh, Gawker. And uh, I'm gonna, so some of the stuff about uh, Sontat is on, is from, from Gawker. There's some interesting Gawker study, uh, stories you can um, dig up. And if you, if you don't know, so obviously uh, I think Teal without Gawker is like this Silicon Valley uh, yellow press was shit rack publication, right? And they, uh, at some point, I think they outed uh, Peter Thiel as gay, um, which I don't think he did. He wanted that. And then when the whole thing happened with Hulk Hogan's sex tape, um, Thiel uh, sponsored Hulk Hogan's lawsuit. And that's basically, this lawsuit bankrupted Gawker. And Thiel was basically, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get you for that one. And he sponsored this Hulk Hogan lawsuit, and Hulk Hogan obviously had a had a good case because Gawker, uh, you know, never a bastion of good journalism, actually quite overstepped there. Uh, what you know, eth any ethical rules for ethical reporting. Anyway, so they're trying to tie them to. Uh, I I don't know why you have to why you have to do this. Um, I don't know why you have to out this guy or make him out to be like uh, an old right guy and a nationalist because his real story is much more interesting. So he's like, it's transsexual. He says on his website, he now goes by he, him, but he used to, what did he say? Ah, uh, God, uh, now I have to look this up. Um, he was like, um, like I, I used to go by, by other gender uh, identities in the past. Of course, now his name is everywhere, and I can't find his. Oh no, here's his website still. Uh, I previously went by other gender identities, but currently go by he him. 
Um, and Gorka. So there's two Gorka stories about him um, from 2009. So this guy, even before he wrote iPhone apps, he tried to write like iPhone apps like Trump hair, where you can like Photoshop Trump's hair on your head and stuff like that. Um, but before that, he did Facebook apps, and he was apparently um, in 2009 responsible for a worm. Um, so a uh, well, a worm, you know, it basically wrote a script that, you know, spammed people, people's Google Talk and Gmail Google Talk when that was still around. Um, so that um, it pretended to be like a link for a video and if, if, classic. If you click on it, like phishing scam, right? You click on it, it's like, oh, you need to log in. Then you provide your login data. Then the thing downloads your contact, uh, your Google chat, Gmail, whatever, contact book, and then spams everybody with the link. Basically, he was trying to collect personal information of people. Then uh, he was caught, and he shut that site down. Then he built another site. Apparently, he was the police was looking for him, uh, but uh, managed. I don't know if they, they they never caught him or he made good with the police because now apparently, obviously, he's working for the police. Um, and then at some point, so he started writing iPhone apps, and that didn't take off. And at some point, he moved across the US from San Francisco to New York. And um, maybe all this, these Gawker stories uh, kind of haunted him back in San Francisco. But, you know, you have this guy. This is like oh, this, these Silicon Valley stories, right? These hipster developers. And he's like he's like a, a Gawker pretty much um, pretty mean as Gawker always is or was um, in the story. And they, they do kind of hit job on him. But, you know, they're kind of painting him as this. This hipster guy who's like in the cool San Francisco coffee shops, like everybody. But you know, so he's conforming to everything. He does like the iPhone apps, like everybody at the time. They're like the Facebook apps and the iPhone apps. But like trying to be this individualist and and so cool and yeah, <laughs> you know. And you have this you have this this trans guy who then collects people's personal information and and makes like business out of that and now sells it to the police. You think like, uh, like, wouldn't you be a guy who knows what it feels like if they dig up like dirt on your past or whatever, or like personal details that you don't want known? Um. Anyway, it's it's too late now for everybody. I mean, he's he's all in. He's uh, published everything on his website, but it's just like you wouldn't think that such a guy had developed that app and it's now selling it to law enforcement. And I think the New York Times can kind of also not wrap their liberal progressive brain around that and BuzzFeed can't either, which is why they have to really hard to try him to Trump, time to Trump, you know, the the the, the, the white supremacists or whatever, even though the guy is like fucking from Australia, is like a Vietnamese so it's like, I don't know, Asian, but calls himself a, uh, let me just not misquote that, a uh, Afro-Chicano American, or this American feminist, I don't know, any something. He's, he doesn't look like a white nationalist to me. But anyway, um, so I thought that that was the really interesting story, like who, who wrote this app? That is just, this is just hilarious. Um, but let's get into a little bit bef before I wind, wind this down. What does it mean? So is this the end of all privacy? 
Um, I don't think it is. I think uh, it's if that's the end to all privacy, then that has already happened, and it just the New York Times has has cottoned on to this fact now because this was public, and apparently they couldn't they couldn't imagine that the NSA uh, would build something like that, even though Laura Reuters wrote about it like six years ago in their own newspaper. Um, but you know, if if you I mean, if you think about it, it's just like Python scripts and some, some smart, you know, machine learning, and it's 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 really obvious in hindsight. Okay, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but you know, it's so obvious that I'm I'm pretty sure, and with Snowden's stuff, I'm virtually sure that the NSA has worked on that before, and they they you know they, their their job is this kind of surveillance, so they're they haven't gone they're gonna figure that out a lot earlier. Um, so I think these things have already existed. I mean, part of the problem is certainly that everybody's loading, uploading pictures of themselves to everything, even to their payment app. Um, and if you think about it, this is like a logical extension to kind of the revolution that Google kicked off, you know, almost, almost 20 years ago now, maybe 20 years ago, um, you know, where everybody can just find out about somebody else online. But previously, it used to be like, okay, you could Google somebody's name, but you, somebody had to have written about them, right? It needed to be in a paper or something, you know, in a, in a publication. Um, because it's kind of hard. I mean, yeah, nowadays you find all that Twitter stuff and stuff, but not everybody has a blog like me, and you can find, you know, tons of stuff. Uh, from their past and it was kind of hard because like you know their name had to be mentioned and you know search engines are kind of being a bit more ethical and, and you know not scraping Facebook although Google could do that they could just do the same thing and get the same data um, but they're, they're really not doing that and most search engines aren't either um, but this kind of thing is just easier because you don't need to have somebody's name. You can just match the images. Everybody uses their own image, even if they don't, uh, many people do, um, even if they don't use their own name. Maybe, okay, they don't do that on Twitter, but on Facebook, and I think that was always the problem with Facebook because Facebook started as a closed social network as opposed to Twitter, which was always public by default, which is why I prefer Twitter a lot more because, first of all, I'm a journalist and you find information that way. Um, maybe I should use this clear view AI for anyway <laughs> for, for stories. Um, yeah, but um, Facebook always had this um, assumption of privacy. Then they saw, well, you know, closed closed stuff, and then they saw, ah, Twitter just gets so much media coverage because you know you can find everything on there, people can quote it, and they open themselves up more and more. But people still have this this feeling of privacy there, which obviously isn't, as you can see by this kind of stuff, isn't isn't justified. So I think the only real recourse you have against this kind of stuff is just not upload so much information of yourself or just keep it in mind, you know, keep, keep, keep in mind that this technology is out there now and this is as now in some some respect done us a favor because I think it it was out there before. We just didn't know definitely. Now we know, right? Now we know this company has it, and and therefore we can also be uh, 
we can also you know we when we when we are afraid of that we're also by extension afraid of the stuff the intelligence services have which we don't know about but which are probably there um there's certainly an argument uh, to be had about legislation. Um, if there should be laws against this, I'm certainly, I'm certain there will be a discussion about that. At least in Europe, you know, we have regulations like the GDPR. We have laws on the book that prevent all kinds of, forbid all kinds of other stuff. So this is, this is even more like under GDPR. This would be even more egregious. Um, I mean, you have to understand that the police is using this, but all the data is like on this company servers. But even, you know, I'm not talking GDPR, I think there will be laws in Europe uh, above this. I'm certainly in Germany, uh, police using this kind of stuff will just immediately, um, you know, make people think of the police state of of secret police of nazi germany immediately so so we will be um, more aware of that but i don't know how the laws help because you know that's, that's the other argument if you look at gdpr yes fines and companies are being punished but how does it actually help individuals right yes there's a data leak and your company doesn't you know, is 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 very lax about how they store their data, but at the point where it's leaked, you're screwed already, and then they get fined. Yes, and that the argument is yes that that'll that'll provide incentive for companies to to be more secure in the future. You know, and be more careful. But this data leak still happen, so these laws don't really they improve society as a whole. I would say, but generally they don't really help you as an individual so much. Um, so I don't know how this will be. Definitely, I mean, we can definitely prevent the police from using this kind of stuff. But I mean, I mean, the future is this, right? They might sell this to the private sector. They might not. Another company will. I mean, it's not hard. It's a, num it's a few Python scripts and some, some, some image recognition. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I could write the fucking neural network code, right? But there are easy, then hundreds of thousands of people probably who can. Um, definitely thousands of developers who can and other companies will do this they will sell this uh to private individuals i mean this will be open source technology at some point exactly like how you know search engines like google and stuff like that you know they're open source versions of these search engines they're open source ways of getting at that information um, the only limiting factor for that traditionally was the servers but now you have microservices infrastructure you have cloud you have clusters kubernetes clusters you can wind up uh, machine learning clusters left and right and it's not that expensive um, so i think there will be open source programs to do exactly this uh, yeah definitely there will be ethics discussion in the discussion in the open source community but you know there will be software for everybody who does this and that is the really scary thing um, that is in our future but which can also not be um, prevent it you know at least the police has some oversight once this get gets out there and then also it is already out there because the intelligence services are probably pretty, i'm pretty sure virtually sure they're using it they don't have any oversight uh or very 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 limited kind of oversight so you know if if the new york times is correct to to uh describe a big circle and circle around come back to the beginning of this episode if the new york times is correct 
And this is the end of privacy as we know it. Then privacy as we know it is already dead. And these these really creepy spy guys have been doing this for ages. And they've been the ones who, you know, so to speak, who, who are building the scaffold uh, for, for, for privacy <laughs> as it is. Yeah. Pretty bleak. I know. That's that's probably one of probably one of going to be one of the problems with this podcast is that there is not much not much good news to report. Um, this stuff will not get better. I feel it will get worse. But I think we need to um, we need to look at it. You know, unflinchingly, we need to look at this stuff, and and I need to report on it, and and people need to know. And I hope you're 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 interested in. Yeah, so that's it uh, for the first topic. Normally, at this point, I would um, read out some feedback that you've pro- hopefully will send me in the future. But since it's the first episode, and while I'm recording this, nobody even knows that the podcast exists yet, which will change in about two hours when I upload this. Um, we, I don't have any feedback, obviously, <laughs> but I would love to have some feedback. So there is, um, if you go to privatecitizen.press, um, there is some um, links there. And you can contact me through my website uh, at fab.industries, fab.industries, but there's also links in the show notes. And you, there's an email address on there. Um, there's a link to the 30 verse. You can, you can contact me on Twitter. Um, there's also a link to the, uh, to my 30 verse, uh, account in the bottom of the page. It's a little 30 verse icon there. Uh, and I do have a, um, a whistleblower contact form, which is encrypted and you can be completely anonymous because I realized that this is important for a show like this. You know, if you might want to provide feedback, but you might want to stay anonymous and I respect that. Um, by the way, I do know, do not write me, please, do not write me about the fact that this site, uh, you know, uh, privatecitizen.press is is not TLS encrypted. I know it's, I, so migrating the actual site to HTTPS would be very easy. Um, I have the problem that I do have a server, a dedicated server, which serves um, the audio files and converting that to HTTPS is something I'm looking at. I definitely want to do, but which actually is a lot more complicated. And I can't just migrate the website because then I'd have a uh, HTTPS website which embeds has links to uh, files that come from non-encrypted servers, and that is that gets more punished more and more severely by browsers than just not inc- just HTTP websites. Um, so I am aware of this problem. I'm working on it, but it will take a bit. I will, I, you know, I've, I've been trying to figure this out. I know how to do it, but it's just like the time I need the time and I will, I will sort it out. So I know about this. Um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a freelancer, freelance journalist. I do this on my side, volunteering my free time here because I think these topics are important. I want to dig into them really deeply. And I think that is, good and also i love podcasting obviously um i've been doing this for 13 14 years now um and um yeah so still i need i'm a freelancer i need to make money somehow and i need to put 
food on the table. So um, what I'm doing here is under the value for value model. That means I want you to um, give me as much value as you get from the show. If that's nothing, I'm okay with that. If you feel like this is worth a dollar a month to you, that's fine. If it's 10, that's great. Um, so I've set up a Patreon where you, if you want to kick me some money, you can do that. Um, I don't want to, I don't want you to feel like you have to. Um, this is only really, I, I mean this. This is only if you want to. And it's just the more people that do that, the more, um, more likely it is for that I will can keep doing this indefinitely. Um, and I won't have to cut corners because I need to do other jobs that I actually get paid for. It's, 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 it's as easy as that. So if you, if you do that, I, I, I would thank you. But I also want to thank everybody else. I, I will, if you send me feedback to the show, I will credit that. That is really helpful for me. Even if you don't want to have it read on the show, just say so. Just put it in the email or whatever you're doing. Just tell me, no, I just background information. Um, please don't quote me on this. I'm a journalist. I do this regularly. I'm I'm very serious about protecting my sources, um, and I just you know in in these topics helpful background information. You know, today you might work in law enforcement, or whatever, and you might have used actually used this Clearview app, and that you know just telling me what that's like, for example, would be invaluable, um, even anonymously. Um, even if I don't talk about it on the show, it'll be very very useful background information. So this is all kind of stuff. This is how you can help the show if you don't want to give me money, for example. And um, I would, I definitely want to uh, credit everybody who does. So, um, you know, usually that will be the people um, I will name when, when they send me feedback. Otherwise, um, I would like to thank, uh, I hope I can say this correctly, Raul Kebezali, Kebezali, who... Um, made the uh, show's theme tune, which is called Ac Acoustic Roots, which I really liked uh, and are licensed for this show. And I'm also thankful to Bindmark, who uh, are a UK hosting company, and they've been for years, um, so basically that's what I was talking about, that I need to move to HTTPS. Um, they, they are providing the bandwidth for the audio file, which works great, and it's really helpful so I'd like to thank them. Otherwise, you know, I'm not, this show is going to be an important point of this is I, I will never make people pay for this or like, you know, the podcasters these days, they do like, they even shenanigans where they are like, they give you half the show for free and then you have to pay for the, like none of that bullshit. The show will always be free, right? It's more like then I'm going to stop it because I don't have the time and I need to put money on the table. But I will never charge for this show, and also I don't want any advertising because I don't think it works. I don't think I don't think you can stay independent. I don't think you can do ethical, real journalism. You can ask the right questions, which are often, with especially with these topics, um, are often um, uncomfortable, <laughs> and people don't want you to ask them. And obviously, you know, tracking with advertisement. I'm not going to put any advertisement on the website. Um, I have a, at some point I'm going to talk about probably, I think that would be a nice, interesting show as well. Um, how, how I'm making, uh, this website and my personal website. I mean, this is just a static site. Um, it uses uh, some JavaScript, um, but very little. I think 
I think it uses some JavaScript for the uh, for the font rendering, but like you know, there's no um, there's no cookies, there's no active things. I think you, you pretty much should be able to just turn JavaScript off, and it should work. Um, I should actually I should test that. I've tested that on my other sites, but not on this one. Anyway, um, you know, no cookies, no tracking, um, which is kind of part of the course of a show like this. Anyway, that was just a diversion. Uh, anyway, it's very important to me uh, to not have advertisers. This is also something, you know, part of the value-for-value value model. And uh, I've, I've actually linked to that and uh, in a blog post that explains that. And, you know, uh, no Agenda came up with that, and they're operating under that. And I think they're, they're right. You know, this advertising, advertisement stuff doesn't work. It's not healthy for good journalism. I, do, I write stories uh, for people who publications make their money with advertising i'm okay with that i just don't want to do it for my own stuff and especially if i do privacy topics i would feel kind of like a hypocrite anyway i i do have i've had this patreon for a while and there were some people who are giving me money um so there's already some people i would like to credit with the production of the show who've helped by um being my patrons um these are great people so uh, I would like to thank uh, Neil Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, Jonathan M. Heavy, George Georges Walther, Dave, Kai Sears, Matt Jallyman, Fadi Mansour, Joe Poser, and another Dave. <laughs> so thank you all. Um, thank you for being patrons. You are an invaluable part of this, making this happen, and um, I'm just I'm just very grateful for that. So um, yeah, and with that, um, I think um, I think we're pretty much at the end of this show. Um, it was fun. I hope you liked it. Um, please give me some feedback. As I said, I find that crucial. If you have more information on the topic I talked about, anything, just you know, let me know. And of course, I'll credit you. Or if you want to remain anonymous, if you want to remain private. Just tell me so, or use the whistleblower contact form and just don't put any information in. And I will never know. Um, yeah, it was fun. I hope I will see you next week. Um, as I said, every Wednesday, a new episode of The Private Citizen. That's why it's called your weekly data privacy podcast, because hopefully it'll be weekly. And um, until then, I'm Fab. Reporting from Hamburg, Germany on privacy issues. And this was The Private Citizen. Stay free, stay private, and don't let the law catch you. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>